Brands and Brews. All right, and we're back. Brands and Brews. What episode is this, Kirill? This is episode number nine, and it's a special one. Why is it special, Jesse? Um, It's special because we have a special guest today. He is special. And I don't know. I think we're just in a really good mood. It's been a long week. We're coming up on a long weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. Um, I actually had today off, so I'm feeling extra... I don't know. I'm just extra ready to do something because I've just been watching uh, uh, Netflix all day. I didn't really do anything. And I'm just ready to freaking go, man. That's what why it's is, special. What is this podcast? It is an unpro- unprofessional podcast for marketing professionals. That is the Brands and Brews Marketing Podcast. And actually, you know what? Uh, we would like to hear back from our listeners. We um, we would like to know who you are. So what I did is I put a poll on our website uh, and just some questions about whether if you're a, a marketing dude, uh, a business owner, or, um, uh, or, or if you're in sales, or I have a couple options there. But basically, if you can go to our, our, our website, it's brandsabruise.com and fill out the poll and and... And I also have some comments there. I have a comment spot too, so you can um, leave some, give us some feedback. Uh, you can also look us up on LinkedIn if you like. Um, but yeah, if we could, if you could get some, give us some feedback on what you would like to listen to, what we, what you like to hear more about in, in this world of marketing, we'll make it for you. Boom! That's a sales pitch right there. Well, I tried. I tried. <laughs> Do you want to introduce um, our guest real quick? Yeah, Alex. Do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Absolutely. Not, not a problem. So were we supposed to open our beers already? That's the most important part, right? I wasn't yeah. sure if I got that cue or not. Hey, pop it. It's popped, All right. right? There we go. There we go. Hey. Oh, a good sound. Nice. It's popped now. Perfect. Cheers. So cheers, guys. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm Alex. And I actually used to work with, uh, with Jesse at a marketing agency, man, probably about 10 years ago. That means yeah. we're getting pretty old, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I run a digital marketing agency, um, you know, based out of Denver, but I currently live in Mexico city and, um, yeah, that's me. That's who I am. Yeah, dude. Uh, Alex, um, I, I guess it has been like 10 years. So yeah, just going back, uh, in memory lane. Um, we, uh, we worked in this small, um, SEO agency in Denver and, uh, um, we were in our, um, the owner's garage. That's where we worked. So it was like a true, true startup. Do you remember, <laughs> remember that Alex? <laughs> um, it was pretty wild. Uh, oh yeah. This was in like suburban Denver. Yeah, like um, yeah, we were, we were working out of the owner's garage, six of us. It was it was crazy. I think uh, I started before you. There was like three of us when I started. Um, I remember when we interviewed you. We interviewed you in um, in the actual house. So I was like really excited to actually go in the house and not in the, be in the garage all day. Um, but yeah, man, you were just an awesome fit. Uh, we hired you. We. We hung out in the uh, in the garage for I don't know how much longer, probably a few more months, and then we finally um, got to like I don't know six employees or something like that, and we uh, moved uh, out to uh, the art district in in Denver. Finally, got an office. I remember telling our boss, I was like, "Dude, I can't do this anymore. I can't." There's like seven of us in the freaking garage, and we're all on top of each other. It's hot as shit. Uh, it smells in here. I mean, we got to find an office and, uh, and he was like, all right. So we, we made that jump, but man, that was, that was just, those are some crazy times. We were working crazy hours. It was, it was just a big grind. It was kind of like a sweatshop. Um, and, uh, I remember I left, I think I left after two <laughs> years and then, and then you hung on Alex and then you actually 
you got to do something or you went out and that's when you started your own business, right? Uh, right after that experience. Yeah. So I was, I was also there for two years and you know, the, the, the only saving grace of, of working in the, uh, the garage sweatshop, as you called it was, I remember after work on Fridays, um, the owner had, I think we called it like the magic bag. Yeah. It was just a paper bag full of shooters. And so it was just a paper bag full of like little plastic shooters of, you know, everything from tequila to vodka to rum. And that was like his one way of making it okay. I was like, well, we're working in this guy's garage, but we have this magic bag of shooters every day after work on Fridays. So like, I think that's what made me kind of stick with it for two years. Um, but yeah, I, I was there two years and then, yeah, I started my own, um, you know, started as an SEO agency and now I've expanded into kind of everything in marketing. So. Right on. Well, let's go. We'll talk more about that. First of all, let's let's talk about what everyone's drinking. Um, I'm drinking Oscar Blues. It's uh, I, I just had a, a Dale's Pale Ale, which is, you know, the Oscar Blues beer. But now I'm drinking a Cano Bliss. It's an IPA uh, series. Um, I got a mix. Uh, a mixture from Oscar Blues is like four or five different beers in there. And um, this can of bliss pretty freaking awesome, man. Really, really good. It's a hazy uh, IPA. So um, cheers to Oscar Blues for always knocking it out of the park. Krill, what are you drinking? Dude, I love that. And I'm actually kind of in the same vein today, following in your footsteps. And I've got something completely different. Um, it's called <laughs> the Citrus Fruit, spelled F-R-O-O-T, Citrus Fruit Direct. And it's from Jester King. That's based in Austin, Texas, and it is a farmhouse IPA fermented with oranges and mandarins. And the artwork on this large bottle is phenomenal. It is a businessman with a suitcase full of oranges and mandarins that are falling out of the suitcase. So how could I not get that? That's awesome, man. Look at you. Uh, Drinking out of a bottle. Good for you. Gotta keep it classy. Alex, what are you drinking? Uh, so I'm also drinking out of a bottle, so keeping it classy. Um, I'm actually drinking a, it's from a brewery called Cerveceria Monstro de Agua, which means monster of the water. Um, it's a Blanca de Maguey, which means like white of, Maguey is kind of like the, uh, cousin of an agave plant. So like agave, tequila, maguey, uh, they actually make mezcal out of it. Um, it's an awesome local brewery here in, in Mexico city and they have a logo of a, um, I don't know if you know what an ajalote is, but it's this like salamander. It's like a fish with a uh, fish with arms is what they call it. And it's like a like mystical creature here. People are obsessed with it in Mexico. Like it has all these like apparently an Aztec god, you know, reformed himself into an ajalote. And this salamander can regenerate its arms and its organs when it has problems. So it's like a it's a really Mexican thing that, that it's like, you know, Mexicans are really proud of that in their culture here. but. Yeah, seven percent. It's kind of like a white IPA, I would say, is the closest. But yeah, the, the craft beer scene down here in Mexico is is phenomenal. Like I, I wouldn't have expected it, but it's actually really good. So you can never go wrong with a beer crafted for an Aztec god, is what I always say. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's a good thing. Nice. So, Alex, why don't you tell us? Uh, I mean, you have like a really interesting story. Whenever uh, you and I touch base i'm always excited to see like where the hell what the hell you're doing and like where you're living can you uh can you maybe give us a little rundown um from after you left the agency what you did next um as far as traveling and then becoming an entrepreneur yeah absolutely so after i left the um paper bag shot um you know marketing agency after two years one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to leave was, you know, to be able to to travel more because I saw, you know, the type of work that marketing entails is all done from the computer. So, you know, why not take advantage of, you know, this sort of digital nomad type lifestyle? So part of the reason why I left was so that I could kind of fulfill that dream of living abroad, traveling abroad and, and, and you know, working abroad, too. So I left that company and I, I tried to just kind of start my own thing on my own, which lasted about six months. And then I realized, you know, being a one man shop is, is not fun at all. It's terrible. 
Um, you know, any problems you have, you have no one to talk to about it. And it's just, it's tough. So I ended up hooking up with actually another guy who worked with, uh, with me at that same agency with, with Jesse and I, and we kind of started our own, um, agency, um, SEO, but also kind of moved into other, other verticals. So, yeah, I mean, over the last, we started about eight years ago and over the last eight, eight years, I mean, I've been to about 70 different countries, um, you know, some for a week, um, others for a year. Um, you know, just kind of moving around. I did a, a full around the world trip where I just basically went east and, you know, I ended up being a year in Belgium. Um, and then, you know, a month in Greece, month in Indonesia, um, you know, two months in Vietnam, you know, just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Um, was great except for time differences. I mean, you know, when you're trying to work with US clients, and I mean, I, I remember one time in particular, I was in Singapore. And I had a client call. I didn't really want to tell the client that I was in Singapore at that time. So, you know, I just was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, we'll, we'll do it this time. Well, for me, it was 3.30 in the morning. And I waited up the entire night for this client call. And five minutes before, they were like, I actually need to reschedule. So I was like, man, that's, uh, you know, that's okay. But, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that great for me. So, you know, it's, it's presented a lot of, a lot of challenges, but I mean, it's given me, you know, I, I've, I've, I've had an amazing time doing it. Um, and yeah, th then I ended up moving back to Denver, um, after kind of doing that, you know, I was in my mid thirties thinking, I, you know, I'm finally ready to kind of settle down and, you know, be a normal human adult who lives in one place and does one thing. And then I got the bright idea of, well, I got to spend the summer in another country, so I might as well go to Mexico. Um, I intended on coming to Mexico for one month and now I've been in Mexico for, um, two years and I have a fiance and, and I'm about to have my, my first kid. So, um, that's, that's how life goes sometimes, I guess. Cheers to that. Man, that is so freaking yeah, cool. That. <laughs> that is so cool. Like, um, you know, you always, I don't know, like there's, there's a lot of posers out there that talk about starting your own uh, online business. You could travel and you can be anywhere you want. And I'm always like, man, that's bullshit. Because like when you're, when you're an entrepreneur, you have, you have so much shit to do. Like you, you know, it's, it's, it's not like uh, you can't escape like an eight hour workday. I mean, you can in a sense that, yeah, maybe you're not working eight hours consecutively but you still have to put in all that time but you were able to do it man so my uh my hat's off to you um that's pretty remarkable that you're able to travel and and um uh how did you how'd you deal with like like spotty internet because i heard that's a problem sometimes i've heard that's only a problem stateside <laughs> no it's a problem I mean, it depends on where you are. Like, I mean, like Vietnam, like in some developing countries, I mean, Mexican internet is phenomenal, but you know, there are some developing countries where it, where it was really difficult and it was, you know, it, it was just like nerve wracking. Right. I mean, you know, I used a lot of hotspots. Like what was surprising actually is you could get like when I was in, I spent a month in Indonesia and I mean, obviously Bali, everyone goes to Bali. There's great internet there. But when I was in Java, I was in a smaller uh, college town called Yogyakarta. And there were, the Wi-Fi was so bad. I mean, it was unbelievable bad, but they had great 4G. So, I mean, I just had like, you know, I used a mobile hotspot a lot. And, you know, mo most of these places you can make it work. But I would say that that was one challenge. But I actually found that I was more productive when I was traveling and working than when I was at home because it cuts out like the, what I call like the TV time, right? So like, you know, you finish your nine to five and then you're tired. So you want to just kind of chill and maybe watch some TV, have a beer. But if you're in a brand new place for a limited time, you don't want to waste time. Right. So, I mean, you're motivated. You're like, all right, I need to work hard. I need to get everything done within eight hours so I can go see this thing or do this thing. And so I actually found that type of lifestyle. I was more productive than than when I was at home. So I didn't really expect that. Wow. That's really cool. Um, can you you know, I've, I've, I have an agency background and, and there's a lot of challenges being in the agency background. Can you, can you tell the listeners like what the challenges of our, are like, uh, being, um, not just an entrepreneur, yeah, being an entrepreneur in an agency, what are the challenges like beyond just the, the, the ones that you'd have when you're traveling? Yeah. 
I mean, there's, you know, it's it's such a risk reward. Being an entrepreneur is is totally risk reward, right? I mean, you know, an eight hour workday, like I I don't think I ever work that little. I, I'm I'm basically always slightly working. I mean, my my fiance literally says like, you know, you're always a little piece of your brain is always working. So I mean, I honestly kind of miss like, you know, before I got into marketing, I used to be a bartender, and and I kind of miss the the days where your shift ends you turn off your brain and then you can just do something else. You know, when, when you're an entrepreneur, when you own an agency, it's ongoing, right? You're thinking about maybe that lead or that client or that strategy, a little piece of your brain is kind of always involved in it. So one of the challenges I've found is just being able to turn it off, you know, like having a, a weekend without, you know, checking your emails, that type of thing. I think that's, that's a huge challenge for, for an entrepreneur right there. Um, another big challenge is, you know, and COVID has made this apparent for a lot of businesses is, is managing a remote team. Um, you know, it's, if you're not in the same building as someone, you know, chatting with them, having small talk and all that, it's hard to build a culture of a company. I mean, I have employees that I've hired that I've never met in real life. So, you know, we, we try to do some things like weekly trivia, um, you know, some kind of online chatting, happy hour type things, but it's not the same. You're never going to have the same type of relationship with someone that you've just met online. So, you know, I think the two biggest challenges I find in in, in running an agency um, are, you know, remote teams as well as just being able to turn work off. Like, I mean, I, I just never really turn it off. So, yeah, yeah, I can I hear you there, Ben. That makes sense. Um, now, what do you like? Uh, what's your favorite thing about being an owner, an entrepreneur? Um, it's blank canvas. You know, no one's telling, no, no one ever tells me what to do ever. Right. So, I mean, everything is in, yes, that, you know, you have clients that, you know, have certain needs and, and ultimately your clients are your business. So you need to do well by them, but you know, the strategic direction of the company, you know, what you do every day, it's up to you. So, I mean, it, it, it's nice to not, uh, th there's different types of people in this world. Some people love that type of, you know, repetition, that type of structure. They, they like to know what they're doing every day. Obviously, based on my background, I like, you know, diff, you know, I like to live a different lifestyle. So, you know, being, being an entrepreneur allows me to control the direction, control the tasks that I do. If there are tasks that I, I like, well, then I can do those. If there are tasks that I don't like, well, I can, you know, put that on an employee or, or a manager or something like that. So I like to be able to control my own destiny. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, that's really cool. So, so you the the name of your um, agency right now is called the Brandsman, and you guys focus on. Are you guys mostly an SEO agency? You guys do, or I'm sure you guys do some other things like website development. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your your agency and and what services you provide? Yeah, absolutely. So we're called the Brandsman, and you know what what. You know, what we wanted to do when we created this company was get more into branding. And, you know, what I see as everyone talks about digital marketing, but, you know, they use the buzzword digital branding less. And, you know, what, what, what me and my team see as digital branding is kind of an all encompassing, um, you know, basically everything you have online for your business. So from your website, your physical digital assets, like your logo, um, social media profiles and everything in addition to your marketing strategies. So your SEO, your PPC and all those things, we like to kind of be like a digital branding agency for companies. So we're, you know, acting like their internal marketing company. So the idea of the brandsman came behind, um, came from that idea. Like we want to do digital branding for companies. So uh, my background personally was an SEO. So we kind of started doing a lot of SEO and that's still one of our cornerstone services. But we, we're taking on a lot of clients now where you know, we're taking them from step one. So we're naming the company. We're coming up with, you know, their logo, their branding guidelines, building them a website, coming up with their, you know, messaging strategy, and then coming up with their marketing strategy for the long term, which usually includes everything from social media, to SEO to, to PPC. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we kind of do the gamut, but I like to kind of paint it all within this digital branding sphere, if you will. It turns out that you guys are actually located directly across the street from our office. And you're actually in one of my favorite spots in Denver, which used to be called Control Collective. And we've utilized that space quite a bit for our events as well. 
but it's just such a great spot. Yeah, I mean, that, that place was great. Unfortunately, it just changed. I believe it's called Flex Office now. Um, it just changed ownership. But yeah, I mean, it's the, the dairy block in Denver. It was the first privatized alley in Denver. So, you know, the alley, instead of being a bunch of dumpsters, was actually like bars with tables. And you could have beers. And it was very like a European vibe. So love that part of Denver. It's great. Cool, man. Um, yeah, can you, can you like, uh, I know you as, as an SEO guy. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about like, um, uh, like SEO as far as coming from an agency side, as far as the challenges of, of, of doing SEO and, and anything you want to talk about when it comes to doing SEO for your, for your clientele? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, SEO is, SEO is a buzzword that's, you know, been thrown around for the last decade and, and some people see it as this complete BS smoke and mirrors, you know, way for uh, agencies to charge money and, you know, people who actually understand SEO know that, you know, content is literally king. I mean, you know, if you have great content and you can get people to read it, you know, you have a much higher likelihood of, of selling services. But we have a very conservative approach to um, to SEO in the sense of, you know, we we literally don't do link building that's not organic. So, you know, if we're going to, if we have a new website that doesn't have backlinks to it, our strategy is to approach other websites in the industry and, you know, pay to do sponsored content on their websites and, um, you know, actually do it the right way. I just don't believe that, you know, I mean, Jesse, Jesse knows just like I do. We used to work at an agency back in the day where it was all about buying as many Indian links as you can. You know, it was all about just stuffing every page with as many keywords as possible, but SEO has changed drastically over the last 10 years to where it's quality wins, right? So, I mean, you want to have, I know that people's attention spans aren't, aren't what they used to be and, and people do scan articles. So a lot of the time you are writing for search engines, but it's about good quality, well-written content that's structured correctly and doing that on a regular basis and doing it right. So, I mean, we take a very, yeah, a very cautious approach, I would say to SEO we're very much about long-term results. You know, if a client's like, oh, I would like to have, you know, double my organic traffic within 60 days. I'm like, all right, well, we're not the agency for you. Um, we're, we're, you know, long-term partners. But, you know, I, I, I think for a lot of businesses, SEO is, is the most important digital thing you can do. And, and I always pose it to clients like this. It's investing in a digital asset, right? You can go pay for ads online, on social media, on Google. And that'll bring traffic to your site. But as soon as you stop paying, well, it's gone. You know, if you actually invest in your content strategy, well, that's that's there. You know, it's like you're investing in, in your house. It's like you're investing in other any other asset you have. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love SEO. I'm a huge SEO nerd. I get, you know, a well-written title tag makes me smile. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all about it, to be honest. So, Dude, I actually, <clears throat> client-side question coming in hot. Uh, obviously, SEO sometimes gets a bad rap, right? Because you have so many "quote unquote" advert agencies and freelancers out there that are saying, "Hey, you know, I offer SEO services, I offer SEO audit, I offer backlinks, and there's a lot of like affiliate marketing and all that stuff." So, how does somebody who's client side, who's looking for an SEO agency, differentiate between somebody who gets it and who knows what SEO is about versus an agency that is just full of shit? It's tough. Like I, I don't envy being in the position of trying to hire a marketing agency in general, especially an SEO one. But I think the, the most important thing to go off of, first of all, is is reviews. So I mean, not just Google reviews, because obviously, you know, those are fairly easy to fabricate, just get your friends and family. But I think clutch. I mean, for, for my agency, clutch is is probably our biggest lead generation tool. And, you know, a clutch review takes a lot of time. So, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, making sure that the agency you're working with is legitimate before you engage with them by looking at, you know, reviews, you know, and asking for, for references of other clients that you can talk to, to make sure that, you know, that they're not fabricating what they say. Also, it depends on who you're talking to. I mean, you know, my agency's small, so I'm the owner, but I also do all the sales myself. I come from a marketing background, but I just do sales out of necessity. And I also do account management. So 
for my agency, it's great. You know, I generate the lead, I talk them through the process, sell them, and then I manage them. So there's a lot of trust there. You know, if you're working with a larger agency, you could be talking to some slick salesman who just memorized a bunch of stuff and then passed off to someone else. And, you know, what that first person told you, they may have known more about SEO and then you get to put on an account manager who, who doesn't know. So it's tough. And that's why I always recommend smaller agencies because, you know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to, to manage these processes and, and, and you're ultimately going to end up being a drop in the bucket for that agency. So um, it's tough. But I think, yeah, the, the two biggest points are, you know, vet that company beforehand and, you know, have questions to ask that that um salesperson or or rep or whoever you're talking to so love that jesse and i are always ripping on seo companies that are cold messaging you on linkedin or like cold emailing you what's your take on that and is that the right approach for an seo agency or freelancer to uh, approach a potential customer i can't stand it i mean i i would say i get 20 to 30 um, emails every day and probably 15 to 20 people who want to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn who are basically saying white label your services to us. I mean, you know, some of them are domestic, some of them are foreign, but it's unbelievable how many companies are, you know, basically saying white label your services to us. Now, while I just may have, you know, kind of shit on that idea and poo pooed it, I've hired my last two employees from cold emails and I have used a number of, of services from cold emails. So I do read them and I do think cold emails are a very effective strategy to, to get through to people, but I also think it's extremely annoying at the same time. So I understand why people do it, but it also bothers me. That's where I'm at with it. <laughs> I think our take is like, isn't it ironic if you're selling an SEO service that's supposed to generate leads for you and it's all about inbound marketing, then why the fuck do you have to do cold outreach, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny. I mean, you know, if, if I, I can't, if, if you Google Denver Marketing Agency, I believe we still rank number one and we get a ton of leads through that. And so when people ever ask me like, well, you're really good at SEO. I'm like, well, yeah. Denver Marketing Agency is one of the hardest keywords there is, and we rank number one, so clearly we're good at it. It's so funny to me that people don't use SEO. Like, if an SEO agency isn't using SEO to try to generate leads, they are not trustworthy because they're clearly not good at it. So, I mean, that's another way you should bet them. You know, what are they ranking for? So, Yeah, I respect that. I think if I were looking for an agency for my business, I would probably be looking for best SEO agency, my location or, you know, niche or vertical, best niche or vertical SEO agency and just see who comes up in the first like 10 results, right? I mean, <laughs> it's a no brainer. Absolutely. Um, so, hey, so Alex, I got a question for you. So um, let's say, uh, I, I guess what kind of customer or what kind of business needs an SEO agency? And I'm not saying like what type of market, like where, because this is something that they have to pay for. And I think just about every business owner is tight with expenses, right? Um, I've been in the agency world for, I don't know, as long as you have been. So I know this is the constant challenge is like, what's my budget? Can I justify this and so forth? But is there a certain point for a business before they should uh, look into like uh, an SEO agency or actually any type of marketing agency, or should they just um, uh, just right when they start the business, go for it. Um, a, you know, suck it up. Know it's going to cost you some money, but make that part of your business plan. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great question. And, and there's so many variables, right? You know, it depends on, you know, is this business funded? Like, do they have investors or are these, is a small business owner, literally using you know their own money from the other job they have to fund this and it's 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 really tough and and as far as seo goes a lot of people use kind of the lean startup business model of okay i'm going to try this out for six months and if it works great this is kind of my side hustle if it doesn't okay if you're trying for a flash in the pan you know drop ship e-commerce some type of business like that seo is not for you because this is building, you know, 
a long-term digital asset that's going to bring in traffic and then ultimately leads. So, you know, I always recommend if someone's like, yeah, I've, you know, got a full-time job, but I'm trying to sell, you know, this little product online, um, you know, I'd like to see if I can drum up some business in three months. You throw your money in ads. Like that's the only way you're going to get a, an experiment. And I, and I actually talk people out of SEO because it's just, you know, you can't show results in three months unless you have the most ridiculously niche industry there is. So when it comes to SEO, that's the first thing I always evaluate is, okay, are these people in it for the long term or are they just looking to try something out? And if it doesn't work, then they go back to their normal job. Um, the second is, is if they have enough money. I mean, the worst thing is, you know, signing a client that, you know, has only six months of cash. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. I don't like to take those type, types of clients on at all because, you know, this is experimental. I can't guarantee you anything. We can do the right SEO work. We can create the right content. But ultimately, even when we get people to your site, they may not like your product. So, you know, it really depends on you know, the war chest of capital that you have and also what your long-term objectives are. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. I did a, a poll on LinkedIn this week and um, uh, basically uh, I was, is a poll for uh, what's the best way to do marketing for, for small, small businesses or a startup. And I actually had a big mixture. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I have it right here in front of me. So um, uh, a little bit of DIY um marketing agency was 26 percent, which was the second highest and then hire a marketing employee 45 percent. so to me that i was like man the i gotta i gotta double check my my audience because um hi, hiring a marketing employee for a small business that's a massive expense compared to hiring the agency don't you agree yeah massive expense and also in general, you know, those people are probably limited to a certain skill. I mean, you don't want the same person running your Google ads that's coming up with your social media content. It's two different types of brains, right? One is very visual. One is very creative. The other is very analytical, very database. So I, I think, I mean, it's, I've, I've never been the internal marketing person for a company, but I, you know, if, if you were just a single marketing employee, and you had to do all run the gamut of digital marketing, that is tough because it's a lot of different types of brains that you need in that space. So yeah, I mean, I think an agency is better. <laughs> hey, it's me, your everything digital marketer. <laughs> That's what Krill does. <laughs> Dude, um, if we can just stay on that topic for a second, um, I love the question that Jesse brought up in terms of just um, hiring and getting employees Let's say I just graduated college. How do I get a job working with your agency? Is that a possibility? What are you looking for, et cetera? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm very busy and hiring's tough. Like, you know, we've used Indeed to hire employees and LinkedIn and the num. you know, when you put a job out there, the number of resumes that you get is extraordinary. And so, you know, last job we put out, we got, I think, 80 resumes in two days. And so it's just, you know, it's exhausting to go through that many, that many resumes. The last two employees we hired actually were from cold emails. And I thought, you know, that they had researched my agency. They saw some of the work we did. They looked at clients we worked with. And they had really well thought out approaches. You know, they were like, hey, you know, I see that you do this. I see you do this type of work. Here are the... Here are the areas that I want to get into. Here are the skills that I have from school. And, and it worked out, you know, being direct and being on top of it. So, you know, I know I, I seriously poo-pooed the, <laughs> the cold emails earlier, but I think it's being direct and, and approaching agencies um, and, and trying to get a hold of them, you know, even if they're not hiring. Um, I think, you know, that that's what, what's, what's different because we have just, I don't know, resume overload. In, in this modern era. So I love that. And that's actually been my approach in the past too. Even client side is just looking at what's in my area and shooting out emails and just see what lands, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it might not work out, but why not try? So I mean I think it's 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 worth a shot for sure. So yeah, going back to the uh young professional or the young person maybe 
person out, out of college is um, the world has changed a lot, especially since like when I came out of college, when I came out of college, it was like um, your options were you go work for somebody like starting your own business is for someone that's um, been doing something for 10 or 20 years. Like, um, you know, starting your own business right directly out of college is like for, for geniuses, you know, like it's just like not a common thing. What is your um, <laughs> advice for, uh, uh, you know, the people that are coming out of college now a lot smarter, there's just a lot more opportunities. The internet's changed everything. Um, for people that want to start as an entrepreneur right outside of college, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them? Partner with someone that has experience. Because, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge, and I'm sure you guys have seen this in marketing, is that everyone's a marketer, right? Everyone who has social media, everyone who has internet access can market something. So, you know, as an agency that's been around for nearly a decade, I'm competing with people who just started an agency yesterday and have never really done that much marketing. So, you know, I, I, I think it's great. And I think, you know, wanting to be an entrepreneur right out of school is, is excellent. But I also think real world experience is the most important thing there is. Education is great. You can learn a lot of things. But until you actually get your hands dirty in marketing, you're, you're not going to be equipped with, you know, the problems that come. So I think if you do want to start an agency, you partner someone, you partner with, or any type of business, you partner with someone probably older that has experience. Because I think there's experience is second to none. And, and I think it would be really tough to just come out of school and want to start a marketing agency because you may learn some theory in school, but it's about application that actually gives you, you know, the tools you need. So, yeah. So, so partner with somebody or at least maybe, um, you know, work somewhere for a while and, and gain that experience. So you can, so you can just basically build experience, you know, uh, so you, you, you can know what it's like to talk to, um, uh, uh, to, to customers and know what it's like to gain customers, know, know what it's like to retain them and so forth. So having that experience is definitely critical, especially for, um, for marketing, especially in an agency world. Um, that's awesome, man. Uh, I really appreciate that feedback. Um, yeah. Uh, can you tell us, I know you have a, like, another i wanted to talk to you about this too like you have this other uh company that you're also getting started which is in the alcohol market can you talk talk a little bit about that i'm very interested in it yeah for sure so i like alcohol um and so does my partner he's from wisconsin so he uh you know obviously drinks a lot because that's wisconsin and we have a another business called the firewater firm and so what, what we do there is so our we our business partner is the XVP. Thank you. I I came up with that, so I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so so basically, what we do is um, our partner in that business is the XVP of Sky Vodka. And if you guys know how the alcohol market works, it's a three tier system where distillers or any alcohol manufacturers have to sell through a distributor. And then it goes to the to the customer, right? So you can't actually just you know produce a new tequila and send it directly to a to a um, customer. So it's kind of an OG scene where the people who have connections with distributors are the ones who can grow brands quickly. So if you're going to start a new distillery, it's not just about having the most you know awesome social media presence, the best bottle, the best product. It's also about those connections within the industry. So what we've done is, you know, we do a ton of alcohol branding. So we do a lot of label projects for mezcals, tequilas, beers, wines. We cut, we do social media um, plays for different alcohol brands and vineyards, things like that. And we've combined our skills with um, um, my, my two partners who are, you know, experts in the distributor space and, and have all those relationships. So that when, you know, we start a new brand, right? So let's say it's a new tequila, we can make it look pretty, we can have the right story, but we also know we can grow it through the distributor system because we have those relationships established. So yeah, we kind of specialize in creating new alcohol brands, but also 
alcohol brands from abroad that want to enter the U.S. market. We specialize in kind of helping them do that. So I'm talking about code ago. Best tequila, baby, don't you know? Have you heard that? <laughs> I haven't. That's a George Strait song. And uh, kind of interestingly enough, I started working at Crocs. And from there, like once I transitioned, some of the ex-employees that I worked with went over and started this tequila brand in Mexico called Codigo, which is an, a high-end tequila that is part owned by George Strait. And he has a song about it called Codigo. Hmm. I did not know that, but I have tried Codigo now that I look at a bottle. So. That's, that, now you got to listen to it. It's on Spotify. It's a great, <laughs> catchy tune, and it, it goes very well with Codigo. Fantastic. Yeah, what a what a crazy industry the alcohol industry is right now. It feels like every celebrity has uh, something going on. I mean, um, The Rock has tequila, which is, I mean, I know his business is going crazy. Um, it just seems like everyone, uh, I, it just seems like al- al- new alcohol businesses are everywhere. Um, I, I, I'm part of a whiskey club. We meet like uh, every once every couple months and we all bring a new whiskey and do taste testing and we end up getting hammered. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> but every single time I go to the liquor store to get more bourbon or whatever, I'm like, am I in the right fucking section? Cause everything, I'm just the same liquor store I always go to, but there's like half the stuff that I ha- that, I, that I saw like three weeks ago is gone. And there's just a new, like two or three shelves of brand new shit. And I don't know, man, it's just, it's crazy right now. So what a genius idea for you to come up with this firewater firm um, when this industry is totally taking off on a marketing aspect. So my hat's off for you, man. Um, Brilliant. Jesse, what's your alcohol right now and how do we distribute that? What's my alcohol? Um, I don't really have an alcohol. My, uh, I'm st- right now, to be honest with you, I went through my Dale's Pale, Dale's Pale Ale. I went through uh, my Cannabis of IPA. And uh, luckily, I had a Coors Light just as a backup. And that's what I'm on to right now. So uh, I have no style. I, uh, I just drink whatever's in front of me. And uh, I don't make anything. I'm thinking the McFarland Scotch Ale has a nice ring to it. You know, there's a there's a McFarland beer. I've had it in Europe. I've I've had it in um, I've had it in Portugal. I've had it in Spain, and I think I've had it in another country too. There's a McFarland beer um, that's popular, and I couldn't ever find it in the U- U.S. But um, yeah, I can't remember where. It, uh, I assume it's an Irish beer or a Scottish beer. Well, if you can't remember it, it must be good. You know, it's funny. It's like, I have a picture. I'll find it where my, myself, my brother and my dad are all drinking a McFarland beer. I think, actually, I think we were in Greece. So, uh, that's pretty, it was, it's one of my favorite pictures. So, well, um, uh, when you guys buy alcohol, like how, how often do you guys buy the same brand? Like when you go to the store, like, are you like, oh, I love this beer. I'm going to get the same thing. Or are you like me where every time you go, you're like, I want to try something new. Dude, that's such a great question. And I love that question because I was actually thinking about it today when I went to the liquor store to pick out my beer for this show. And I think for me, it's, uh, it's a situational, it's contextual, right? Like I think the type of alcohol and the brand that I'm getting depends a little bit on what I'm doing that day. So I know, for example, like if I'm going to the pool, I'm probably going to grab a pack of Corona Premier because it's a really nice summer Mexican lager that I just enjoy by the pool. If I'm going to sit down with a cigar, I'm probably going to grab something a little bit, a little bit heavier. Um, and so it's just, it's very contextual for me. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, you know, I, uh, for me, it's, it's always changing and it's like, uh, um, it's, it's seasonal for me. So, um, typically in the summertime, I drink your, I drink light beers and I drink the stuff that Alex, you'll probably have a nasty face with, but, uh, I drink a lot of Coors Light throughout the summer. It's hot. Uh, I want something light. I'm going to probably drink a, uh, a few of them. So, um, and then uh, we've done some, uh, we did an episode on this earlier, but Curtis Light's like what my dad drank. It's just kind of a, in my DNA. So, um, yeah, I just, I just love it. So 
but usually like uh the rest of the year when it's when you know we're getting into fall getting close to fall now um uh we're getting close anyway now i'm gonna start drinking some more ipas and so forth and uh i i like to try something new from colorado um always i like to support smaller breweries and smaller businesses so um yeah i i go in and i try to find uh maybe an ipa that i haven't had of but uh i I would honestly say i don't look at i don't grab a can and start looking at the ingredients for me it's packaging and krill and i've talked about this in a lot of episodes but um the color of cans the um, how good their design is, what catches my eye. Um, I don't have much time. To, I don't have time to like start reading shit. I just want to see like, ooh, that looks good and I'll grab it, give it a try. If it sucks, okay, I won't buy it again. Um, I'll go back to the liquor store and find something different. I don't give a shit. So that's what I do. I just do a lot of trial and error based off packaging. I think it's a lot of, I think it, it is a lot of uh, trial and error for sure. And I, I typically love to try different stuff, but I know, um, I think it's psychological to some extent. I know that if I'm going to a sporting event, I'm going to drink Coors Light, and that's the only beer that I want. Rockies game, Coors Light. Nuggets game, Coors Light. Any other time, I'm looking for different stuff. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, alcohol is kind of a, it's, it's not just the taste and everything. It's like an experience too, right? So it's like, um, what am I going to be doing? Um, uh, who am I going to be with? You know, um, yeah, it's that total type of experience. Like at a, at a, at a baseball game or, or a sports game, I'm always going to have a light beer because, I don't know, it's, it's just for whatever reason, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know why, it just makes sense. Um, but if I'm at home or if I'm with a buddy and that I haven't seen for a while, um, Maybe it's a, uh, I haven't seen for a while, so I'm going to say, oh, this is a special occasion. So I'm going to go get a, a cool, um, I know that's going to be a really good IPA that maybe he will join or maybe he uh, hasn't had before or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's always just an experience. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I, I my, my girlfriend or my fiance always says, like, when you go to a liquor store, it's like you're in Toys R Us because, like, for me, I love drinking. But I also am fascinated by the branding of alcohol, because just like you said, you know, Coors Light and baseball, you probably don't even really like Coors Light that much. But it's just like you mentally associated. It's the branding. It's Colorado. It's Colorado Rockies. Like, it's crazy how much the the branding and marketing of certain alcohols like literally affect the taste. And like I, I say to like potential clients, like, you know what's outside the bottle is just as important as what's inside. Because if you have shitty branding and a great product, you probably won't sell as well as a, as a, you know, a liquor or beer that has great branding and, and, and a shitty product inside. So yeah, it really depends. But like, I mean, I don't know. I, I use untapped. Like I think I've tapped like 600 beers on untapped. I love these, you know, the only, that's actually the only social media that I like is untapped. Because it's just, you know, you take a picture of your beer and you tap it and then you rate it and you can kind of see what it was before. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 all about branding. It's all about marketing and seasonality is a thing in Colorado. But here in Mexico, the only seasons are nice and very nice. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter like what the weather is. You just kind of drink, you know, whatever beers you're looking for. But yeah, no, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. Yeah, I I love a Corona on a hot day. And the only thing that makes sense of uh, the only reason why I could say that is, is because every freaking Corona commercial, it's they're on the beach. The, you know, you got the sound of the waves and the seagulls in the background. I'm just like, yeah, that's how I want to spend my Saturday afternoon when it's hot as shit in the summertime, just chilling on my freaking uh, chair in my backyard drinking a Corona with a lime just sounds awesome. And Corona is not that good of a beer, right? So, but it tastes really good. And, and the only really reason that probably is either Corona is a really good beer and I'm just don't know anything about beer, or it's like, I've watched 40 years of, of Corona commercials uh, on TV showing that picture of like, it's you're on a beach 
chilling, drinking Corona. Life is good. Why not both? No, it's no, no, it's that. I'm telling you, like being in Mexico two years, Corona here for Mexicans and for people who live here is the Mil- Milwaukee's best. Of here. <laughs> it's the worst one, literally the worst one you could drink. And so like you can have exactly the same price. I mean, a Corona costs like less than a dollar in a convenience store, right? But Girl you can have- soul is dying right now. <laughs> but, but you can have, you know, a Victoria, um, Indio. Like there's so many macro brews in Mexico that, you know, are even exported to the States, even Modelo. Um, that, yeah, Corona has just been so good at marketing. And I think the marketing was so good at changed the taste. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like in your head, you're on a beach. I mean, that's their whole thing. Like drink Corona, you're on a beach. I think their branding was so good that you drink it and you're like, God, this is great. And so that's why, you know, branding alcohol is fascinating to me because it can have such a huge effect on, you know, the consumption of the product. Hang on. Victoria. (laughs) Victoria is just a quote unquote fancy Corona and we all know it. (laughs) It's an amber. I, I love Victoria. I think it's the best macro, macro brew here. But can I just, um, I have a completely switching the subject, but does anybody else feel like marketing people hate social media? And why do we hate it so much? Good question. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm, uh, I'm downloading the untapped app right now because uh, I've heard about it. And then you just reminded me about it. So I'm totally going to, I'm downloading it right now. So thanks for that, Alex. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great because it's just about one thing, right? You're just literally drinking a beer taking a picture of it and rating it so that you can find out if you've tried that beer before and if you liked it. But no, I, I'm with you, Kirill. Like I think social media is, I hate it, but like it, you know, we, we, we do this for a living. So we have to have these. I mean, I, if I didn't work in marketing, I would get rid of social media period other than untapped <laughs> because Same. I love it because I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a positive thing for humanity. <laughs> I just think it's annoying. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't care about positive, negative for humanity, but it just annoys me. Like, I don't like Facebook. I hate the fact that they change their interface constantly. In fact, I'm not like a big JavaScript person, so I turn it off on my browser. And so Facebook straight up like doesn't work for me anymore. So I have to use the mobile version on my browser to make it like do stuff. Um, Twitter, pretty much like it was really cool when it started out. Then it went completely like bot route and now it's a lot of people from tumblr that have like migrated to to twitter reddit uh kind of an echo chamber right and it's like i want to be connected to people but it doesn't feel authentic if that's i guess maybe that's the way um i would summarize it yeah no i totally agree and then and i actually going to go back on what i said i'm a huge redditor but mostly just for sports. So like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a massive Tottenham Hotspur fan and I, I love the, you know, our subreddit and, you know, discussing players and transfers and all that stuff. So I do think Reddit because it's anonymous, it's not about bragging. It's just about having conversations on subjects, but I do think there are, you know, like, I mean, I, I'm a huge proponent of both meetup and couch surfing um, because I've been traveling so much in that, when social media can create an actual human interaction. So like you go to a meetup or, you know, you couch surf with someone then I'm all about social media, but if it's just this digital meeting of someone that you don't know, then yeah, not a fan. Can we just talk about Periscope, Meerkat and Clubhouse and how hyped up those things were. And also um, what's that one? Snapchat. Like, is anybody still using Snapchat or just all of these like super hyped up, social platforms completely eat shit because i i haven't heard periscope or meerkat or frankly you know clubhouse which was last year i haven't even heard anybody talk about that shit no i mean i don't even know what meerkat is what is that it was it was like a live video streaming platform like periscope that was supposed to be like the next big thing and it it just died. Yeah, they're going phases, dude. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's the TikTok thing. Like, I go ahead, Jesse, on TikTok. Oh, I was gonna say, like, yeah, I, I think you were just saying the same thing. They go in phases, like, you know, take TikTok's writing. It, it seems like uh, whenever something's new, they'll have their 
their time and it's whether or not they can, you know, keep going or not. And, uh, I feel like TikTok is, is still really popular, or at least they started a new wave of the, t- the TikTok dances or whatever. So they have their thing, but yeah, I mean, stuff ch- seems to change and, um, social media, getting into social media makes me nervous. So, uh, I usually stay to, with the stuff that survived Facebook, and even though I don't use it, I use it for marketing purposes. But LinkedIn is definitely my favorite social media for for marketing people, and and uh, and then Twitter I'll I'll dabble into. But other than that, that's per, per, pretty much it for me. I don't typically talk about marketing spend or budgets, but I'm actually going to share a number with you that I think is going to be really interesting for you guys, and that is the amount of my budget that I've allocated to Periscope, Meerkat, uh, Snapchat, and TikTok, and that. That amount is zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Money well spent, buddy. Money well spent. Here's the thing about these platforms, though, is that okay? I, I think you know, I the ad, the way ads work on TikTok, I don't even really understand it. But influencer advertising, as much as I can't stand the word influencers, you know, as much as I think it's a very, it's crazy that people are making. I mean, good for them in some sense, right? They're just posting photos and videos and making a living. Some of them are making millions of dollars from doing this. Influencer advertising, when when you know when we've actually calculated the dollars from a you know cost per impression standpoint in comparison to running ads on these platforms. So you know paying someone with a, a popular TikTok channel, paying someone with a popular Instagram channel, the numbers are insane. I mean, you know, the the cost per impression is a hundred times what you're getting with ads. So as much as I, you know, I, I do poo-poo these channels and from a personal standpoint, I hate it. It's really effective. You know, if someone has an audience and, 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 your, and your product fits within that audience, there's trust there, right? So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change marketing. And I think we're going to see a massive switch from, you know, paid advertising to influencer brand ambassador marketing um, within the next few years. That's an interesting take. I think <clears throat> I think a lot of people shit on quote unquote influencer marketing like it's some sort of new concept, but the fact is influencer marketing has been around for many, many, many years, right? Like even in the days of Don Draper in the 50s, 60s, 70s, we use we leverage celebrities for advertising all the time. So, and that that is basically what an influencer is, right? Except the difference is now influencers are more digital they're not the big movie stars per se even though they could be right but now i think the new generation is more uh attuned to the digital platform so it's there's nothing new about it and of course it works because it's worked for generations yeah i agree except for those like old school influencers they were influencers because they got famous a different way right so they were an actor they were you know business mogul like whatever they were a model now it's just about, you know, trying to do something ridiculous, right? Trying to push the boundaries so that people follow your channel and then all of a sudden you can become an influencer. So it creates this like me, 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 look at me when you haven't even done anything, you know, that notable yet. Like if, if you had a, an amazing career as an actor and then you're being used as an influencer, you know, hats off to you. You, you made it in a certain career and then you're using your image and your publicity to market a product but to just say i've done nothing but i want to become an influencer that's a that's a thing and there's a lot of people doing that and i think that's the difference um well alex it's been awesome um and actually krill krill do you have are you ready for um are you ready for a rant do you have anything today i think we i think we've honestly done the rant and it was about social media i think that I think that's that's all I've got, really, and it doesn't get any better than shitty on on social media that doesn't work and that's overhyped. Perfect, perfect. Anything, any last words for uh, anyone else before we um, uh, chug our beers and and jump off? Nope, I just opened a new beer, so um, let's go. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome, man. Uh, really appreciate it, um, Krill. You got anything? No, I just, uh, as always, I appreciate everybody tuning in and 
Alex, really appreciate your time. It's always really interesting to hear the perspective of agency folks. You know, I think um, from client side, for sure, there's just a lot that we don't know about the agency world. And even having been in it for a little bit of period of time myself, there's still a lot that goes into it that, that is pretty mysterious and kind of fun and sexy. So appreciate you sharing your insight with us. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure, guys. It was nice uh, chatting marketing, brands and brews, two things I'm very into. So it was a pleasure uh, chatting with you guys. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Grill. Um, I'm going to choke my beer and peace out, everyone. Cheers. See you next time. Brands and brews.